Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, it's the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 52 of the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Ben, we made it for another week here. People are still listening. And uh, we actually hit some good stat milestones here recently. So thanks everyone for listening. If you're a first time listener, make sure to hit that subscribe button. You'll get the latest content whenever we drop it every week, Friday morning at midnight. Uh, Make sure to leave that review too. We've got all five star reviews, except for that one person that left a one star with no comments. They still haven't reached out to me per request and uh, gave me their beef. But anyway, Ben, I'm excited. Today we've got special guests from Crowley. Yeah, we're going to be doing a three-part series with Crowley. And today with us, we have Jerome Thomas and Dennis Osborne, full truckload and project director. I've had the pleasure of working with both of them throughout my career. Um, Both great guys, really anxious to dig in, learn a little bit more about Crowley and, uh, you know, kind of toss it around a little bit and hopefully hit some good topics today. Love it. So guys, welcome. And you guys are both in uh, Florida, is that correct? Yes, sir. We are. Man, I'm the only one up here in the Northeast. I feel I feel super left out. But yeah, uh, we won't hold it against you. That's all right. So yeah, but it's gonna be a great three part series, like you said, Ben. We're gonna we're gonna talk today mostly about kind of a high level view on what Crowley does, some of the cool projects I get to work on. Hopefully, hear some really awesome, cool stories, and um, you know, try to get some folks in touch with them as far as how you can all benefit each other and, and do some business. So um, without further ado, we can't get into an episode without catching up on sports. Obviously it has been a ridiculous year as far as who's playing, who's not playing, how many games, other fans. Um, so my first thing here, obviously we're coming up on NFL. If you're listening, you're not watching a video of this. I'm wearing a, I'm proudly wearing a Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, number 17 Jersey. So I'm, I'm predicting my bills take the first spot in the AFC East this year for the first time since 1995. Although I'm a little little worried because <laughs> Leonard Fournette is, uh, yes, it's been 25 years. But uh, I remember. <laughs> it's, I like, it's like the movie time. Titanic. It's been 80 yeah. something years. Yeah. But uh, that's how I feel as, as a Bills fan here in Orchard Park, New York. But uh, Leonard Fournette still not signed by anybody. He cleared through waivers. And they're saying the Patriots might be a, a top contender to pick him up as, a, uh, as an added running back. So that's all I've got on NFL. I'm, I'm super excited for this season. We'd be like in week three of preseason right now, but obviously that's not happening. So without further ado, I, I wanted to touch on the uh, NBA because Jerome, I know that you're a, you're a big basketball lover and Ben and I tend to just talk golf and baseball and football and like, you know, sports like NBA and, and hockey tend to not really come up on our radar. So we were chatting yesterday before this uh, recording today and, kind of talking about the bubble and what's been going on there. So what are your thoughts overall on, on this season, how it kind of paused, hop back on, who are your, who are your picks here? You know, first of all, I'm glad to be representing the, the, the NBA here. So I, uh, I, I watch it all the time. It's a, a great sport. And, uh, you know, when the season paused, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out what, how this was going to pick back up, how it was going to work. And then they came up with this whole idea of the bubble um, and so when the playoffs started, you know, just 30 days ago or so, um, it's, it's definitely a different game. You know, no one in the audience, everyone's virtual, uh, e- even the noises are all, you know, custom made. Um, but it's, it's been pretty exciting. I think it took a little bit for the team to kind of get back into that routine. Uh, the first couple games, everyone was kind of worn out pretty, pretty early on in the game. Um, but it's, it's gotten pretty exciting. Uh, the first round, the second round just started for some of the teams. Um, you know, everyone at the beginning of the year was kind of predicting that it would be the, the, the Lakers and the Bucks in the finals this year. Um, and I'm, I'm a Lakers fan, right? Love, love watching LeBron. I hope he brings the title home this year. I think it would be a great tribute to uh, the late Kobe Bryant. Kobe. Um, but I, think, uh, I don't think it's going to be Milwaukee in the finals. I think it's going to be Boston. Uh, I've been watching them play a lot, and uh, Marcus Smart is just really, really bringing that team up, and they're doing some great things. So, it's a uh, classic. It's a uh, it, man. I got to be honest. It's just nice to have sports back on. Um, I think that's the biggest takeaway. I don't care what sport it is. It's just nice to 
turn turn the TV on and have you know current sports going on. I caught myself watching high school football on ESPN a few nights ago. That's that's the level <laughs> level of uh, being desperate we're at right now. Dennis, yeah, what's not- your what's your sport of preference? Uh, NFL all the way. Who day? Uh, good good Bengals Bills tie there. Uh, I, I will disagree. We we got a new quarterback. We got one of the best running backs in the league. We still got a just a dynamite wide receiver core. First Bengals Super Bowl win this year. Oh wow! That you might be the first, first time in midnight freight broker history that there's been a uh, contended Super Bowl prediction there. So <laughs> I'll give it to you. I, I will say I, I have a love for the Bengals back in the you know way back in the Andy Dalton days. So you mm-hmm. know just a couple of years back, I think it was three years ago when. Buffalo broke the playoff drought because Dalton had that upset against, it was like Baltimore or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Buffalo slid into a wild card slot with a nine and seven record. So it, uh, it worked out. So as long appreciate, as it's a small, appreciate as the long Bengals as it, for that. Yeah. As long as it's a small market team. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, good stuff. So I'm looking forward to see how the, how the sports seasons pan out here. We got obviously playoffs for some certain sports and then just kicking off here with football. So Looking forward to it. So the reason I always like to chat about sports, I always think in the world of logistics, it's a, it's a work hard, play hard kind of environment and overall industry. And I have yet to meet someone that I love to work with and do business with that does not have some kind of passion that's outside of logistics, whether it's sports or stuff with the family and stuff like that. So that's why I always like to have that little side banter in there. Um, so without further ado, we've got Crowley here today. I'm, I'm excited to talk with you guys on this three-part series. Um, ben, you had some background with Crowley. It was, a, it was a great, great idea to start, you know, getting some other folks in the industry involved here to have a conversation. And um, whoever out of the two of you, I don't care who wants to take it away, but I'm curious, what, uh, who is Crowley? Because you might have some folks listening here that they've heard it. They might have seen, you know, they think you guys are just a big ship company or something like that. Or, you know, they might have seen different parts of the industry. Who is Crowley? What do you guys do? What's the, what's the rundown? We got the we got the blue containers on the. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, blue cans. That's that's, that's pretty much how uh, everyone knows us. But uh, first, you know, thank you guys for having us today. You know, we're certainly excited to be a part of this. Um, we always get a lot of enjoyment in talking about some of the things, some of the exciting things that that our company is doing and taking part in. Um, so you know, at, at the at the heart of what we are, you know, we're an American-owned company, uh, been in business for 128 years. Uh, you know, that in itself, I, I think is, is phenomenal. You know, there's not a whole lot of companies that have been in business uh, as long as we have. Uh, we're, we're still family owned, uh, third generation. Um, in fact, the company was actually started with Thomas Crowley, who actually acquired a rowboat out in uh, San Francisco. And he actually used to take uh, supplies from the shore uh, out to the ships that were moored in San Francisco Bay. And so fast forward 128 years, and now, you know, not only are we a full logistics company, but the, the diversity across the solutions that we bring to our customers is, is really phenomenal. And, you know, I've obviously learned a lot about the company since I've started uh, and learned just how much more we do other than the maritime portion that a lot of people are familiar with. So, yeah, I think there's, and real quick, I think there's something to be said about a company that's been around as long as Crowley has, obviously over a hundred years. You see the amount of new motor carrier applications, whether it's a brokerage or a full service 3PL or motor carrier in general, the amount that pop up every week and every month and, and the turnover on them is, is just, it's through the roof. So having companies that have been around that long, still in the, like you said, third generation family owned, it's been maintained that way. And it, it's a testament to your success. You guys are, you're obviously doing something right. You figured out what works and what doesn't work and you're rocking and rolling with it. So just wanted to add that in there. I, I love it. Yeah. It's a, and it really makes a, a big difference in terms of the, the culture and the environment. It's, it's a really amazing team to be a part of. Um, but, you know, again, at the heart of what we are, we are a maritime company. Our vessels service the Caribbean, Central America. Uh, we, we have a line of uh, fuel storage containers as well. Uh, or vessels that service uh, out west and, and Alaska. Um, and then, you know, we have a very large land transportation network, both on the commercial uh, and government side. And, uh, you know, we, we've been building that up uh, for quite some time. And, 
you know, some of the projects that we've done, I just kind of want to take a minute and talk about some of them. Some of them are, are, are really cool and, and that we're really proud to have been a part of, but I'm sure you guys remember that, that uh, cruise ship that capsized off the coast of Italy, the Costa Concordia. Oh yeah. yeah back uh, where, like 2012, right? Yeah. The, you know, the captain was uh, going a little cl- too close to the shore and uh, ended up capsizing. So it was actually a Crowley owned company that was contracted to write that vessel tow it and then responsible for the salvage and so if you guys ever happen to be in jacksonville florida and stop by our headquarters you know when you walk in there's just pictures all around of the different iterations of of the entire project of of writing that vessel and then what it looked like afterwards and uh that, that in itself was just an amazing project and you know a lot of people don't know that it was it was crowley that, that was uh, responsible for for cleaning that that uh that mess up and so something that we're, we're really proud of it was pretty cool and the and, and the key key note here is that the casa concordia was not a crowley vessel crowley <laughs> did the uh you cleaned up the mess afterward yeah make so that clear. <laughs> part of what we do also we also are a ship manager so in addition to crewing and maintaining our own vessels we also uh hire out our services for uh foreign vessels so you know commercial or other government vessels we we crew those and uh, and maintain those and so this this was not a uh, a, a ship that we managed uh, we were just responsible for uh, cleaning it up but even the day yeah definitely one of the bigger projects that we've uh, taken part in um, and then uh, you know I'm sure you guys you know for some of the podcast listeners who may happen to be up in Alaska. Um, you know, they often will see a different side of our company altogether. So in Alaska, we have a whole fueling division up there. So, um, you know, from a, from a government perspective, there's a lot of, uh, strategic locations there given the proximity to Russia. So, uh, we service the defense logistics agency up there with a lot of their fuel needs. And then on the commercial side, uh, we, we service these very rural parts of Alaska. So, uh, you know, we help people, you know, basically get through these harsh winters. And so we're responsible for distributing and storing uh, a lot of the fuel in Alaska. And so if you ever happen to be up there, you know, you won't see Crowley containers, you'll see Crowley fuel trucks, uh, Crowley gas stations. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of interesting too. something that you just uh, wouldn't see stateside here. Yeah, that's really cool. So the, the fuel part is, is intriguing to me specifically. So, um, Outside of the civilian logistics work that I do, I'm a logistics officer in the Army National Guard. So that's how I got involved in logistics over 10 years ago. And it's funny because I've done everything from unit movement officer for a unit deploying, working with third-party logistics companies to prepare um, movement on rail to a training site and then to the port and then overseas on a ship to get received in uh, Kuwait typically. But one of the things that's interesting is I did a theater sustainment planners course where we plan full, uh, full scope operations in a contingency area. And to get a lot of that bulk fuel in, we would always just kind of the, the furthest planning we would do is go to this, this magical organization is called DLA. And no one really knew exactly how it got done. Cause obviously with, with the military, they don't own all of their own assets. They contract a lot of it out. And there's a lot of benefits to having contracts like that. But we always called it whenever it got to DLA, it was PFM it was pure freaking magic just happened. And you know, there's, there's folks behind the scenes that are actually coordinating all of that stuff. So it's really cool to actually get to talk with some folks that work on that side of the actual operation. So very cool stuff. Yeah, and uh, uh, to that point, you know, DLA is probably uh, a lot like Crowley in that regard. It's it's just one of these uh, organizations that are doing things typically behind the scenes. Uh, they're not getting uh, a lot of the uh, notoriety probably that they deserve. Um, just an expansive network of uh, uh, transportation uh, uh, and um, inventory management that they do is just, it's unreal. Uh, the amount of product that they're moving in, in and out on a daily basis to uh, support the war fighters, just incredible. Yeah, and it's, they always say on a strategic level, if you want to cut off an enemy's movement, you got to cut off their supply chain. And that's all the moving pieces that go into that. It's outside of the the federal or DOD control. It really relies heavily on those partnered contracts that are put into place. So awesome. I love it. I love it. And I think that's a great point. I mean, that's how I've got to know both of these gentlemen, you know, Jerome and Dennis is supporting these operations that were supporting the military. And, you know, whether it's the DFTS, whether it's the fire support, whether it's you guys supporting COVID, 
we supported you in my previous role. That's how we knew each other. And why don't you tell us, I mean, whether it's Jerome or Dennis, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you've been involved with the DFTS, what the DFTS is, and why should anybody care? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, at, at Crowley, we, we manage a lot of defense contracts. Um, a couple of years back, we were awarded the largest uh, or one of the largest transportation contracts uh, domestically uh, here in the United States. And so it's a seven-year contract worth about $2.3 billion. Um, and currently, I mean, we're, we're doing upwards of about 1,800 shipments a day under this uh, DFTS contract that, that we have. And so when we were awarded this contract, I mean, it really put our name on the map in terms of a, a solid land transportation provider. And so, you know, those, those shipments that we manage, it ranges everything from uh, less than truckload, full truckload, open deck, you know, the big and ugly uh, freight, the project freight, um, all the way up to, you know, our, our time critical freight. So um, being able to, to be a part of a contract like that is, is really special. I mean, we're getting to provide a service directly to the warfighter, you know, supporting our men and women in uniform and, you know, making sure that they have uh, the, the materials and the products that they need to have a successful mission. And so, you know, being able to be a part of a transportation group that supports that kind of mission, um, it's just something you, you it really, you just have a great sense of pride in, in the work and the services that you're able to provide. So, and it's, it's awesome. Uh, I mean, it really is. And, it, and it's impressive when you see the complexity and how that works. And then, and I want to ask Dennis about that in a moment because I, he spent time there. I've traveled out to it, but just real quick before we, you know, go on to Tracy and talk a little bit about, you know, kind of Dennis's role out there. How can any of the carriers get involved? We get a lot of questions. A lot of carriers out there want to know like, Hey, we want to get involved in government work. We would like to, you know, support these types of things. We want to carry things that not that everything doesn't matter. You know, like you said, it's a rewarding thing to be able to know that your work is helping have this impact and a greater impact over the world. How does that work? I mean, if I'm a carrier, what do I need to do to get involved, Jerome? You know, we, we, we take pride in how uh, easy we make it for providers to work with us. So, you know, there's, there's one of the things that I've learned traveling the country and going to a lot of these industry events and talking with trucking companies, talking with owner operators, um, they, they would love the opportunity to be involved in this and to be able to move this type of freight. Um, and so what we do is we make it very easy to get involved. You know, you basically contact our team, we walk you through the onboarding process, which is uh, very easy, usually takes, you know, a day, maybe two days. Um, and then from there, you know, we really spend time with, with each company and figure out where they can add the most value within our network. So we take the time to, to learn about the services and the offerings that they uh, provide as a company. And then we, you know, give a, a high level overview of our network and then we dig in deeper to really pinpoint where we think that they would be the most successful in this network. And it goes beyond, you know, just moving freight for this defense contract. I mean, we, we, we do a lot for the Department of Defense, for the Defense Logistics Agency. Um, so, you know, whether it's supporting our PPE mission with COVID relief, whether it's providing support for fire mission out west, um, or, or whether it's providing services under our defense contract, we really provide a wide breadth of services to our carriers in the types of uh, freight that they can move for us. So overall, it's a very easy process. And I think once people are kind of familiar with who we are as a company and, and how to get involved, they're, they're usually very surprised at how we kind of interact from the very beginning and making sure that we're setting them up for success on, on these types of contracts. And I, and I can personally speak to that. I mean, I remember when we met in person the first time out at Matt's up in Tennessee, I mean, just, I mean, being able to reach out, being able to talk to these people and being able to see, and I, and I hate to use the same word, but I mean, it is the pride. It is knowing that what you're carrying is going to make a difference, that what you're shipping, whether it's to a FEMA area, whether it was after some of the hurricanes a few years back that we've worked on together, or whether it's, you know, a fire mission with Dennis, you know, Dennis and I worked together a lot. I worked a lot with Dennis's team. They're doing some great stuff out there. It always just is super impressive if you've seen, and, and I want you to speak a little bit to this, Dennis, is like what actually happens at Tracy, how you guys support the wildfires and, you know, how it's been right now. I mean, we've all seen it in the news. We're all watching the wildfires out there. How has the summer been and what's that kind of like out there for you, Dennis? 
Well, I, I, I'm going to take a step uh, back to uh, Jerome's point about sure. how, how easy he uh, it is to work with us. Um, you know, I, I just want to call out his team and their continuous follow-up uh, with our carrier base and, and the actions that they take to make sure that they stay incorporated and that we're, we're trying to match freight opportunities and that we're, we're identifying where, there, where there's gaps. Um, I think another approach that we've also taken is uh, how easy it is to communicate with us, right? So mm -hmm. if, if uh, there's an issue, they're on a load, you know, the, it's, not a, it's not a perfect system, it's transportation, but it's our, it's our issue management that we bring to the table as well that, that gives carriers a voice in our network so that they can bring things to the table and help us improve the processes, not only for them and for us, but for the government and the uh, warfighter as well. So. Uh, his team does a great job of that, and certainly uh, our coordinators and, as you saw, our, our uh, professionals uh, out in Tracy, and that's only one of our regional offices, uh, are open and available to work through how do we best execute each one of these missions to provide the best service for the warfighter. So, you know, having been in the uh, Marines a long time ago and, and been out there uh, with a with lack of um, supplies uh, mm -hmm. in some cases, uh, you know, I, we certainly hold this uh, mission, uh, uh, I don't want to say in a higher regard, but, but as, a, as you said, more meaningful uh, mission for us to, to provide that to the end users. So um, to get to Tracy specifically, um, you know, we, we started that office um, in 2018, and it was probably one of the, it had to be one of the worst fire seasons on record. I know I had the, uh, the largest fire uh, in California uh, up in Mendocino, and uh, the DLA uh, specifically is tasked with uh, supporting these caches on the West Coast uh, in, uh, in Oregon and in, in Idaho and in, in California. And their uh, mission is to uh, provide supplies, you know, fire hoses, uh, fire, uh, firefighting gear, uh, shovels, pickaxes, you name it, anything that they need, food, water. Uh, to continuously fight that fight that fire and um, uh, what will happen is you know at the beginning of the year that they'll do a, a restock make sure every make sure all the levels are up in, in each individual area very familiar with where the fires typically are where they're going to be and you know in any one given location uh, you can have an eruption at any time uh, you know we saw it this year uh, out in, uh, near Patterson for the uh, uh, SEU lightning complex fires uh, where our personnel are, right? We have uh, uh, employees that live in Patterson uh, and in Tracy, and these these fires are right down the road. I mean, they're they're 30 yep. miles uh, out in the hills. You can see them coming down through their backyard. And you know, I'm originally from Cincinnati. That's where I transferred out there to to uh, help start that office. And I had never experienced a, a fire like that. Um, you know, ha even having been uh, overseas, uh, the level of smoke. And the smell and the, and the just the uh, burning uh, that, that you're going out there, you know, you can't, I can't even take my dog out there uh, for more than 30 seconds without his eyes going red and his nose watering, you know. And I remember that. I remember mm -hmm. that summer. And I mean, we talked a lot after hours, 24 hours a day supporting it. And like, it's something that I think you see on the news and you kind of think it's happening in this area that isn't close to civilization. I mean, it still like resonates with me when you say that. I remember talking to some of the other people on your team and like they were canceling soccer games. Like their kids mm -hmm. like weren't playing outside and people watch this on the news and they think it's in these remote areas. And in a lot of cases, it's not. It's affecting larger cities and it's, it's really close to home. That's exactly right. Uh, the year before, I think, uh, was Napa. Uh, that year was uh, uh, Mendocino. Uh, kind of got a little bit of a break last year, but this year it was, uh, you know, hitting Tracy and, you know, there, there's always ongoing fires in, in SoCal and these other locations that they don't make the news because, you know, they're not, they're not affecting a, a large populated area sometimes, but, you know, it's, a, it's an ongoing mission to keep them from uh, getting to the towns and, and causing evacuations. So, um, our, you know, our mission to, is to work with these trucking companies that are just, you know, not only are they living through it, you know, we're asking them, hey, can you provide support, uh, you know, to, to restock these missions at a moment's notice? Because it's, 
you need to pick it up that night. You need, you need to deliver it next yeah. morning. There's yeah. no waiting, no delaying, no, no stoppage time. It's, it's got to get there to help battle the blazes. And, um, and it was just the level of support that we got from the local Tracy trucking companies, the local Sacramento trucking companies, um, the, the small business carriers that were involved to help uh, broker the freight. Um, it, it was just phenomenal, the level of support that we got from uh, the trucking community to help, help restock those caches. Yeah, and I just want to pick up on that. You know, I just want to shout out to, you know, our, our defense depot out in Tracy, uh, to our, our uh, Crowley office in Tracy, to our carriers in and around that area. I mean, not, not only are they supporting it, but they're supporting it in the midst of, of actually living through it. And so, um, you know, it, it takes a toll and, you know, they're, they're out there giving it their all. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate that. And, uh, and you know, the, the carriers, I mean, you know, they, they really come through, especially if, if they're in those impacted areas. Like it, it's it's now their mission to make sure that their local firefighters have what they need and uh, they, they take it very personally. And, and that's how we're able to come up with uh, such high performing solutions is we, we find these carriers that are invested in the same mission that we are. And that's the piece that I, I wanted to kick back to kind of everyone to kind of discuss a little bit is that. I think maybe for everyone out there listening, you know, why, you know, you guys are a very large company, right? Most of our audience, most of these brokers are like, hey, you know, this is a huge company, right? You know, what does this mean for me? I want you guys to speak to like, it, it really is the ease on the trucker side, right? Because there is this somewhat, or even whether it's preconceived, whether it's real or imagined that there's this very complicated organization and the DLA is, right? These contracts are from their point of view, right? But and I know this personally is that you guys really do smooth that over to some degree and help support the carrier so that they can do what they do while you liaise between the two organizations. And I want you guys, cause I'm sure you guys have a couple stories in there. I wanted to hear a little bit about exactly what that's like for the carriers that want to be a part of this, what that looks like once they call you. Yeah. You know, first of all, we're, we're able to make it easy because we have, we have such an amazing support system within Crowley. So you know, we, we have over 120 people supporting this defense contract that we're talking about. Um, and, and it wouldn't, you know, without their help and support, we, you know, me and my team would not be able to make it easy with the carriers. And, you know, so, you know, whether it's our operations team that maintain those relationships, whether it's our IT team, making sure that we have the technology in place, you know, our, our analytics group. I mean, there, there's so many people that are involved that, you know, allow us to make it easy for the carrier. So shout out to them that, you know, they do a phenomenal job. Um, and, that's but yeah. a, and that's one thing that we bring to the table, I think for the carriers that, um, you know, we, we help them to focus on their job. Um, you know, yep. we have field offices uh, throughout the country that work to interact with the government to smooth over those back end issues. That way, when they show up, you know, uh, success success to us means that they're sh- the driver's showing up, they're able to get through the gate, they're getting loaded, they're exiting, they're on their way to delivery, and and it's not a problem. And speak about that too, because and I remember the check calls, and I remember working with people on your team. Is it? a base is a small city, right? It's not like, hey, just pull up to the loading dock, right? And some of these things get overlooked, but the drivers out there, the carriers out there, they know that that's a big deal. I mean, we talk about detention a lot. It's something Nate and I have talked about. They want to be oh, yeah. to go pick up again, right? I mean, what does it mean when you end up at a base and you realize it's maybe a few miles, maybe more than that to get into the right entrance, being able to work through those things like makes a big difference on their end. Well, and one, one add on before you guys hop in there is, is the relationship with carriers overall is such an integral part of the supply chain. And Ben, we've talked about it in the past that we all need each other. And I know there's a lot of animosity in the last number of years with brokers and carriers overall, because they're fighting over rates and back solicitation and you name it. There's just an endless amount of, of, of items that you can debate on, but we all need each other. And carriers love to work with companies that are fun and good and easy and beneficial to work with. So I think that's one of the things that you guys definitely bring to the table. So I'd love to hear some insight on that. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we spend a lot of time and focus on building relationships. It's, it's a part of our strategy. Um, moving the type of freight that we're moving, you know, this defense freight, um, 
we, we don't have the luxury to, to, you know, drop the ball and fail. Um, that's just not an option, right? This freight is going to support a mission. And so we need to make sure that we are partnering with the right people. And the way that we do that is we focus on building relationships. Um, you know, we, we are not focused on the transactional type of carrier. You know, you're not going to move, you know, one load with us and then, you know, never hear from us again. Um, we focus on truly building you into the network to where we work with you on a, on a regular basis. And, and when you do that and, and you focus on the relationship, um, you're able to get a type of performance that you just, you otherwise, you just can't get from, you know, the transactional carriers that you'll find on a load board. And, you know, you simply work with them one time and then never work with them again. Um, yeah, I think high repeated utilization of carriers is such a powerful metric. You got to think, like you mentioned, the transactional carriers that you find on a load board, the first time that a carrier works with a new 3PL or a 3PL works with a new carrier, it's like going on a first date. You, you don't know how you have to act. You don't exactly. know if the true colors are going to come out, if, if the reviews are actually true, if it was just somebody that had a bad experience with them. So that's a great point. If you can repeat that business and maintain a long, sustainable relationship, that's going to bloom for both parties. And, 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 that's, and to Ben's point, um, you know, the, the type of, uh, uh, Andrew as well, the, the type of freight that we're moving also means that we're, we're showing up at military installations. You know, they, uh, sending folks uh, uh, into the line of fire like that sometimes that haven't otherwise deal, dealt with, you know, gate access, site security, um, you know, where you're allowed to go, where you're not allowed to go. Documents, uh, firearms. Yeah. There's a there there's a litany, and I remember the checklist. I can probably go off off from the top of my head still, right? On what they can and can't do to even get access to the base, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And every year we have a uh, we have an annual competition for who showed up with the worst item, but uh, the <laughs> <laughs> with the worst what. With, with the worst item in their cab. So. Uh, and <laughs> I, I actually, I think this would be a good, a good opportunity. So what would you guys think is the number one reason that we have drivers rejected from military bases? I'm going to say they don't have photo ID on them or a bill of lading or something obvious like that. All right, Benjamin, what, what's, what's your take? I, I, I want to say for some reason, I want to say firearms. I don't know why, <laughs> but like, I feel that's like the Florida that's... in you. So, so after a couple of years working on this contract, I was very surprised to learn that the, the main reason for driver rejection is actually a uh, past, past due child support. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait a minute. And to that, I, I remember a driver that actually, and I talked to somebody and I don't remember if it was one of all the loads we worked on together, or if it was one to the SDDC where the, the driver showed up, had delinquent child support, and then he was gone. And I actually called the TO and I said, hey, I'm not sure what happened. The driver was checking in. I haven't talked to him in an hour or so. And the guy just chuckles and laughs. And, and I, I was like, well, what happened? What was so fun? And he goes, oh, we love when these happen. And I go, what's that? He's like, well, we don't have a lot to do some days, or at least sometimes it's not that exciting. And he said, oh, this guy came in. And when we ran his, his I guess, his credentials, they could see how back he was on his child support. Oh, he said, oh, we God. walk right out the... Um, I just, my mind went blank. We're the police on the military base. The MPs. Um, yeah, the MPs. Threw the cuff on them. And then the, the dispatcher calls him back. He said, have you seen my driver? I said, well, <laughs> I know where he is. <laughs> He's probably not going to be running the next load today. I got another load. I got to recover to go fix the situation. Outstanding. That's as much as I know now. <laughs> is that part of like a clearance thing that they run when they show up there? Or is that done prior? That, that's it's, exactly right. It, okay. uh, you show up on site, they're going to run a background check. Gotcha. Um, so, so, you know, again, uh, pull, pulling a, a guy for one shot uh, um, to, to move a load for you and they don't have a clear understanding of what, what it entails is, is a, would be viewed as a failure on our part. Where our, our primary mission is to set our carriers up for success so that they can go in there, understand what they're getting into. When, when you're booking in a, in a very high transactional environment, it, it gets very challenging to you know, relay that amount of information and all, be able to digest it and understand it. And for the uh, driver who's do, you know, who's doing the work to, to, you know, think about, man, 20 years ago, I did what? Like, yeah. I, you know, so working with companies that you have well-established relationships with that are going to be able to, to provide service in certain locales on, on an ongoing basis is, is really key 
uh, to our success and theirs. And here's the thing, right? We talk a lot about our, at the very least I do, sales, right? Relationship building. We talk a lot about the activity, the prospecting, right? This is what we're talking about at the end of the day. These are the relationships you want to work to be able to establish so that you're not working with somebody new every time you pick up a load, right? You want to be able to have consistency in there so both parties can benefit, right? It makes it easier for everyone. It's less stress on the dispatcher, the driver, the company in between, the people shipping the freight and receiving the freight. Like it makes it just greases everything and makes it more efficient. Yeah. You know, and, and to kind of go back to your point, you know, you were talking before about this, this preconceived idea of what it means to be a large business and having contracts with uh, you know, the government and how, how that might exclude uh, you know, some smaller type companies, some small business companies Um, you know, at at Crowley and and I'm only going to speak for Crowley, um, we, we take that narrative and I mean, we completely blow it out of the water. I mean, from day one, even before we were awarded this contract, we had a huge focus on small business carriers. Um, and, and it's, when I talk about key to our success, I, I genuinely mean that. I mean, this is a, a true uh, cornerstone to our success on this contract. You know, we, we, we take these small business carriers and I mean, you know, not only do we go to industry events around the country to really get out in the field with them and be able to talk to them. Uh, we host our, our own conferences around the country and we specifically target these small business companies. And we tell them like, hey, we're, we're gonna come out, we're gonna host a conference. We want you guys to come out and learn more about our company and some of the ways that we can help you. Um, and you know, we just take that and that's the very beginning of our relationship. And, you know, we, we talk through the process of, of how to work with us, um, some of the benefits of, of being a small business and what that means for working with Crowley. And, you know, so we're, we're two and a half years into this contract. And on average, about 45% of our business on this defense contract goes to small business trucking companies. And, and that 45% is a number that just has not been achieved anywhere else. I mean, we are truly setting the benchmark for how much we are targeting these small business companies. On a, on a typical government contract, the requirement is 28%. So we, we took that 28% and we're like, you know what, we're, we're going to do better than that. We're, yeah. And now we're hitting 45. Our next milestone, 50%. That's awesome. I think, and one quick stat on this, and Ben, you and I have talked about it before, the small business-owned trucking companies are essential to the supply chain. Cause you look at the average trucking company in the United States right now has somewhere around like six or seven trucks. I think it's like 92% have 20 or less. So they're the majority of companies that are out there. So they're, they're, they are that sweet spot and they're, you know, a lot of them have a certain niche as far as their, you know, the wheelhouse that they'll operate in or their specialization of equipment, stuff like that. That's crucial. And I think it's awesome that you guys with that benchmark in the twenties, you're up close to 50%. So that's, that's impressive. Well, and we, you know, uh, so, you know, we, we are a large company. There's no doubt about it, but we, we have a very blue collar attitude when it comes to uh, getting the work done. Um, understanding what the uh, carrier and the driver are going through. Um, you know, Jerome's team has done targeted outreach to, uh, you know, solicit information as to, you know, what's most important to you. What are the, what are the challenges you got, you, you folks are having, um, you know, in your day to day, you know, where can we uh, consistently follow up and improve, um, you know, our relationship and your business. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, in that, uh, in that blue collar mindset, it's, Hey, you know, we, we don't want to just come in and buy up all the capacity in an area and, and have you, uh, you know, be forced dispatch. And, and we don't, re- you know, that's not our model. That's not what we're targeting. We're, we're targeting the, the belief that, you know, trucking is still uh, where you can go succeed in America, no matter who you are. Yep. And it's a, it's a very powerful thing. And that's, that's why uh, I think those numbers uh, uh, dictate that is, uh, you know, the, the 20 or less trucks, the, the five or six uh, trucks that we have in reserve uh, in your capacity and, and, you know, that's next to a uh, military site or in the vicinity. Those, those are the folks that we want to work with because, you know, those are folks that are going are gonna to get the job done when it needs to get done. Yeah. And, you know, if we were to target, you know, large trucking companies and, and this isn't anything against them, but the, the Crowley account would be one of just hundreds. Um, you know, you target these small business companies and, 
you know, you really focus on that relationship and, and you can quickly become, you know, a top uh, account for them. And the, the service and the relationship that comes along with that, again, that's, that's the key to, to, to our success. We, we can't afford to have our freight be, you know, one of, you know, 400 uh, accounts that a, a carrier might have. We, we, we just can't do that. I think uh, to your point about what, what you had said there about some of the larger carriers, if you and Ben, we've talked about this as far as, you know, asset-based companies versus broker only in the brokerage side is if you think that a large asset-based company having 800 trucks means you're going to have access to all of them, you are, you are wrong. Cause like you said, Jerome, you're going to be one of hundreds of accounts that they have. If they have half their trucks, if, if they, let's say they have a hundred trucks and half their fleet has open capacity. Well, they're doing something wrong. There's probably a reason why you don't want to work with them if they can't fill that with other accounts at this point. So, but I think you make a great point there that being a, not just another number in the Rolodex of accounts, but actually being a, a value partner with them and one of their big players, that's going to be huge. Yep. And I think it also highlights a lot of the, remind me of something you just said, Nate, we talked, you know, the differences between asset and brokerage, right? The, the benefit of assets is the predictability, lower rates, right? The, the main benefit of the logistics side and the brokerage side is the flexibility and being able to get things faster. And I think, you know, a lot of the things we talked about are a great example of why you need a broker in the middle. Because just like Dennis said, you don't know when this cash needs refilled. You don't necessarily know when they burn through these supplies. I mean, how much time frame did you have in a lot of the cases, Dennis, to support some of these fire? Like notice from when the load called you, and I can remember some of it, like when you were called for, by the time you were called to when you needed to get it on, like loaded on the truck. Oh, some instances, four hours or less. Right. Uh, it's just that quick. Uh, and, and you're relying on, uh, you know, your local carrier base that you've, you know, that's, that's running other freight and keep in mind, they have other customers as well. Right. Uh, you know, uh, and we're asking them, Hey, you know, I know your driver's doing this for, for this other account that you got, but you know, we need them to come in and just do one more shuttle pool, get this out there, get it, get it moving. And they, they just come through. So a very quick turnarounds, very short notice. Um, can be, you know, anywhere from, from one load to you name it, to refill a fire cache, just depending on how bad the fire actually is, right? So the, um, the blazes grow fast and so do the requests to refill. Yep. Good stuff. Any, uh, any other fun, cool stories that you guys have that that's worth mentioning? Any, any honorable mentions? I, I will say that the delinquent child support blew my mind and I'll probably never forget that the rest of my life. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. How do you forget about that? But any, any other crazy stories or anything worth uh, noteworthy that, uh, that you want to toss out there? You know, uh, some of the projects we, we can't really talk about, but I, I will say this, um, working, working on a, a contract like this, it's always interesting to see because, you know, we'll, we'll have something ramp up and, and we don't know what it is, what it's for. And then, you know, you turn on the news, you know, like three or four days later, and then everything kind of starts clicking together. And then you kind of look back, you're like, man, I had a, I had a first insight to, to kind of what was going on, even though we had no idea what it was for at the time. Um, but being able to kind of support the, you know, Department of Defense and, uh, you know, some of these, uh, you know, missions that are going on globally, um, it, it, it definitely makes for an interesting day at work. That's a great yeah. point. 100%. Um, uh, you just never know what you're going to get into on any given day, right? Uh, uh, the, the hurricane can move left or right. The fire can, uh, you know, go up or down. The uh, uh, response needed is, is always scalable to, to whatever's going on. And, um, you know, rare, rarely uh, month to month are you just, you know, moving rope freight. You know, this is something that uh, is needed either uh, in the field or uh, in the city or uh, on the front lines uh, to, get, to get the job done. Well, cool, good stuff, a lot of good discussion. I'm, I'm looking forward to another couple episodes with you guys and, and kind of dig more into some specifics on Crowley. Uh, we've got a couple of social media questions. I'll open it up to anybody that wants to talk on them, but the first one today, somebody had asked um, about quick pays. They're curious as a, you know, they're a broker and they're wondering, you know, what is that, what is everyone else charging for quick pays? And I think that the broader question here is, you know, why do people use quick pays? I think as a, 
as a brokerage, there's a value add to offer quick pay or even fuel advance or any kind of lumper advance to your carrier partners. Because um, a lot of times, and like we said before, with smaller, those smaller size businesses, that little amount of cash flow can help them succeed and stay a valued partner. So the benefit of a quick pay, it's going to help, help them maintain their fleet, not their operation. What I've personally seen is usually somewhere between like uh, one to five or seven days, or you might have like a couple different offerings and you're going to have a few percentage points added on there. And um, to me, I know it might be a burden on the brokerage's cash flow, but a larger sustainable 3PL, that's drops in the bucket for them and it's a value add to their carrier partner. So any, any thoughts on quick pays or, or any kind of strange nuances that you guys might've seen? No, same thing. I mean, the smaller the business, obviously the tighter the cash flow. They don't have the giant floats. They don't have the assets to secure them. So, I mean, in a lot of cases, if they're running more loads, you know, they need more cash, they need more fuel. I think it's a big value add, like you said, but there's also an opportunity for the brokerage that, you know, is making a few points on that as well. I mean, if you've got a large book of business, I remember just one of the carriers I had within my book, I think we were doing over six figures just in the spread on the quick pay on a year. I mean, there's an opportunity on the other side as well. Um, it's just a matter of how you're looking at it and from which position. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. Any, any input from the Crowley boys? You know, we, we make it a priority to operate on quick pay. Uh, that's, that's how we operate all of our defense freight. Uh, we want to make sure that, that our carriers are getting paid to where these, these very small trucking companies, you know, they have the money to put uh, money on their gas cards for their drivers, uh, things like that. Um, you know, the last thing we want to do is bring our, our operation to a halt because, uh, you know, small business carriers can't float money for 15 or 30 days. And so it, that's, that's something that we definitely focus on. Awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a big value add. I agree. All right. So the, the next question is what qualifies as a solid book of business? In my opinion, you got to have like a $2 billion government contract. Otherwise <laughs> you're not, you don't have a solid book. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of variation here and it's a, it's a vague question, but um, what I would say is if you have sustainable customers that can prefer and continue to work with you and you're not just bidding on whatever's fallen off or off a load list with a hundred other people. If you've built quality relationships and you're, and you're in the game every single day and continuously week after week with these folks, I would call that a good book of business. Um, I'm not going to put a dollar amount on it or a profit margin on it because everyone operates a different type of company, but I think it's relationship driven. Yeah, I, I would agree with, and I'm going to call out that word sustainable. Um, you know, the, the chase and freight um, gets very stressful and, and tight, you know, on, on your, uh, on, on the way you operate sometimes. And again, like you said, everybody operates differently. Um, there's folks that, you know, that's, that's how they want to run. Um, but, you know, if, you, if you're walking away uh, every day and you haven't engaged that customer on a, on a, you know, more relationship driven, driven model, then that's, that's where I'd probably start saying, Hey, you know, is this, is this somebody that I want to be in business with? You know, am I, Am I just, you know, th then you start getting that friction, like you mentioned earlier, between either the broker and the, and the trucking company or the, the actual customer in the trucking company, where you start talking about value, you know, do I feel valued in this relationship? You know, am I getting the win-win out of this relationship or, or do I just feel taken advantage of on a daily basis? And, and when, you, when you feel like that, you know, that's not a sustainable model for uh, continued growth. What are some, give me an instance or how a carrier has been able or a broker that you guys have worked with that has been able to show you value. How have they gone about it? Um, oh, Jer Jerome, I'm going to let you take this one. You, <laughs> you got some good stories. You know, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of different ways that carriers can show value. Um, one of them is, is their willingness to kind of collaborate with us. So, you know, as the carrier, you know, we, we do have offices around the country supporting this contract. Um, and we do have people on site at some of these bases. There's other locations that we don't have a presence on, you know, on that facility. And so, you know, when, when carriers are going in, if they notice things uh, that could maybe make, you know, our life easier, make, you know, therefore making their life easier, being able to kind of collaborate with us and come up with a solution um, is, is definitely one of the, the, biggest ways that they can kind of help us. Um, you know, we, we've had a lot of good outcomes from that. Uh, you know, a lot of these bases are, are very uh, complex in terms of how they manage their business. 
And, and there are times where we have carriers that come in with, with suggestions like, Hey, I'm, I'm on the site every single day. And I notice, you know, one, two, three, ABC, uh, you know, do you think you guys can talk with the base and maybe look at making this change because it would help streamline, you know, the check-in process or the, the loading process. And so, yeah. and you know, real quick, Ben, you actually brought this up in the last week or two. You said that, you know, drivers can be your best friend when you're in the 3PL game because they're the boots on the ground. They've got the eyes and ears on site. So, um, Jerome, I, I love it. So what, what other kind and, of stuff were you going to say there? Sorry. And, and communication, right? That's, that's probably the number one thing that they can do to really add value um, and be a benefit. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't like booking freight and then not hearing from, from somebody when we're trying to get a hold of them. Um, so really working with people that understand that we need open lines of communication. We need to make sure that we have our updates. We need to make sure that our freight is where we think our freight should be. And so, you know, that, that really helps define uh, who we're really going to work with. And, and um, yeah, we've, yeah, we've had some, some, Great luck there. And I would just add that, that it helps other drivers as well, right? And that's, uh, you know, that, I think that's key to our success. Uh, we're not just talking about companies, we're talking about people. Um, so, so when a driver shows up on site and it's like, oh, you know, these are remote locations as well, at least they can be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, oh, this was a driver, a driver assist and we didn't know. And, you know, understanding that we wouldn't, you know, when we have that relationship, then they understand that we're not putting them in positions where we want them to fail we're putting in them in positions where we want them to succeed. So giving us that, that communication back, you know, we're able to relay that to the next driver that's going, Hey, you know, this is a driver assist location and it was unknown. Are you able to help? Um, and that kind of continuous feedback loop, you know, improves the process uh, for us, uh, but also for uh, the government as well. That way that, you know, they, they know what, what, who and what we need to send in. And then for the drivers, uh, they get the benefit of knowing, hey, you know, this guy already went in. He had all the scoop. We're giving it to you now. You're going to have a much easier time getting in, getting loaded or unloaded, um, and then moving on to your next load. Yeah, and, and I'll actually add on to that as well. Um, I would also say ease of use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dennis's team, I mean, they first of all, they, they do a phenomenal job. They, they manage a lot of freight on a daily basis, and as well as, as the rest of our operations team. Uh, here in Jacksonville that support this defense contract Um, and and managing that amount of freight. If if there's things that carriers can kind of do to, to make it a little easier on us to work with them. I think that really goes a long way. Love it. That's awesome. All right, cool. So I got one last question here and this is uh, this is on the operational and pricing side. So the question is what freight rate index should I be using? So this is, we're talking DAT, um, truck stops. So you got rate, maintenance rate view, you've got sonar, you've got proprietary TMS um, information, stuff like that. What I will say, and from my experience, um, if you have no other source or history at all, I, I don't have a problem with DAT and truck stops. Um, so the information out there, a lot of times you're looking at a last seven day average. Uh, but as we know, based on the carrier you're using and as capacity shifts, time of the year, you're going to have stuff change well less than within seven days. It could be within the hour, um, you know, midway through the day. So I'm a big fan of look at your proprietary history based on that time of year in the past and talk to your drivers and actually ask them, what is, what is this lane looking like for you guys right now? If you haven't done it in the last day or in the last week. Um, it's all about taking as much information as you can, in my opinion. But like we said with drivers, I'm a huge fan of talking to drivers and actually get some feelers out there. What have you guys seen? Um, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I'm not going to, uh, you know, promote one one rate tool over another. I think, uh, again, it comes down to um, uh, understanding the market that you're working in, uh, reaching out to the connections that you have, utilizing that, hopefully the past history that you uh, have garnered over time. But if not, um, you know, again, uh, like you said, call, call somebody, right? <laughs> like, let's not, let's not put everything on the algorithm. Let's not put everything on exactly. the pricing tool or the pricing spreadsheet. Uh, reach out to somebody who might know, who might be able to, uh, you know, if we can't give you direct guidance, because it might conflict with, uh, you know, like a specific rate, we'll, we'll try to put, point you in the right direction for, for how to obtain that information uh, working with, you know, if you're a broker working with the base in that area, 
uh, or if you're a trucking company, you know, how to look into the market in general so that you're able to pull that information for yourself. And, and I'll go just a little bit further on that is I agree with everything that has been said. The one of the tools that I always wanted to look at is I want to know what's doing right now, right? It's a fluid market. It could have changed since this morning, especially with the military. Like I've done moves where like the first five loads were priced differently than the next 10 I ship that were priced differently than the next 10, right? Because there's only so many trucks in a given area. Taking a look at if you're going to use either DAT or truck stop, one of the things that we always used to do was to dig in and look what's posted up right now. If there's been a lane posted up for that rate, it's been posted up all day and no one's taken it, it should give you a clue that that's probably not enough to get it moved right now if you're a broker. If you're on the carrier side, same thing. I mean, there are little clues that can give you some insight into what's going on. The favorite tool, I think, of, as Dennis so put it is, pick up the phone and call somebody. Somebody else can give you some insight. Even if you call somebody with a posted load and just say, hey, I've got a similar lane I'm shipping. I'm not a carrier, but hey, what have you guys been seeing? People are more eager than you would expect to help if you just ask. Yeah, and you know, I, I wanna pick up on that. So one, I also think it depends on the size of the company, right? I, I think, you know, a smaller mom and pop company, um, you know, one, you know, they're probably lucky to have one of the many tools out there. Um, and you know, something like, like that, uh, and truck stop, they're, they're, they're more, I don't want to say user-friendly, they're, they're, they're simpler to, to look at. I, I think something like sonar, um, is, is very in-depth, has a lot of power and it just depends like who's going to be using the tool, you know, to determine how much advantage they're, they're going to be able to take. Um, and I would also, you know, recommend, you know, don't, don't be afraid to reach out to, to your potential customer and ask them if they have targets that, that they're trying to hit. Um, I, I think that will go a long way in determining, especially if you're trying to win business, kind of where you need to be, um, you know, in, in certain markets. And then uh, Great point. Uh, I'm going to just add a final note. Um, just being honest uh, in, in the communication, you know, uh, we all make mistakes. Uh, if you, if you underquote something or underbid something, you're struggling, um, you know, for, for us specifically, uh, due to the type of freight that we're moving, just, just tell, <laughs> you know, it's not a, it's not a, uh, um, uh, something that we haven't encountered before, but we still need to move that, move that freight. Right. So, um, whether, uh, whatever the issue is, if it's a pricing issue, if it's something ongoing, the quicker that, that we're informed of it, the quicker that we can address it. Uh, and, and, you know, we still, again, we still got to find a way to get that product to the end user. So that's a great uh, that, point. Dennis. That open line of communication. Yeah. And I bet, uh, I learned this in the army and I bet Dennis, I bet you did in the Marines is it bad news gets worse with time. So if you can get it, <laughs> if you can just get ahead of it, you might as well. Cause it's only going to get worse if you just Absolutely. keep rolling the ball down. Awesome. Well, great, great discussion. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very, very much for being on the show. I'm looking very much forward to another few uh, episodes with Crowley and digging more into a lot of the specifics. So any final thoughts from uh, anyone around, around the uh, horn here? Uh, you know, I think uh, I'm really excited for the next episode to kind of talk about uh, small business and, and how we can support uh, small business carriers and some of the programs that are available. I, I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, episode and, and hopefully very informative for a lot of the uh, trucking companies out in the industry. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure. Looking forward to the next one. I, I, and the one thing I did want to share, Nate, we got the uh, Facebook group up. So if any of our listeners wanted to jump on there, we're going to be start building that. If anyone has any questions, looking for mentors. I know a lot of people have reached out to us through the show asking to be connected. We're hoping that Facebook group can also be a tool for all of you guys to listen to, to reach out, to connect, whether you're a broker, a carrier, just somebody looking to get into the market. So we freight brokers and motor carriers, right, Nate? Yep. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes and we'll also make sure uh, that we'll get some good contact information for Crowley. That way, Jerome and Dennis, um, obviously a, it's always beneficial to have good partnerships come out of a good conversation. So we'll make sure that we get Crowley's information in the show notes, make sure that folks have a way to get in touch with them if there's a potential benefit there. Uh, but yeah, as far as the Facebook group, we're going to definitely put a, a link in there. Freight brokers and motor carriers. It's all about having a discussion. It's not just our, you know, one hour, once a week uh, podcast with some video clips. This is an ongoing thing. There will be some rules. There's going to be no, uh, no crazy talk in there and no bashing my Buffalo Bills. That's going to be like rule number one. <laughs> <laughs>
Awesome. Guys, again, thanks, thanks a lot for, uh, for joining us, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Until then, go Bills. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to leave a review and check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any content that you've heard in this episode. Visit us on the web at www.midnightfreightbroker.com. And feel free to contact me if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency. And if you'd like to learn more about what I do or are interested in us running a complimentary sales training for your sales team, please reach out through LinkedIn or our website once again at midnightfreightbroker.com. See you all in the next episode.